You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share pornography with one another. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is Well, good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. To this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show. My name is Kieran Calicorn, and we actually have with us a special guest as well as one of our regulars. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself in alphabetical order? Kev. Thank you for reminding me. I, I'm used to the normal rollout. Now we have an unknown factor. I, I would have had to think about that. Uh, hi, I am the special guest. <laughs> no, I, it, it, it's, it's Kev. How's it going, everybody? I am still here uh, now in a different room. <laughs> and from an even further away room, we have a special guest phoning in from Las Vegas. Why don't you introduce yourself, good sir? Hello, everybody. Yes, I am coming at you live from Las Vegas. My name is Lucas. I'm a co-host of Land Parties out here for the Las Vegas Review Journal and uh, excited to join you guys. Excellent. Welcome to Phoenix 92.5 FM and just Ireland in general. I know you were on the Game Corner before and thank you very much for that. Uh, But I got to ask first, like, how are things with you stateside? Is everything going okay there? Any drama? Does it feel like normal or... Yeah, you know, I've I've been pretty blessed through all this. Uh, I've just been working from home for uh, over a year now, almost close to a year and a half kind of approaching. Uh, so, you know, my co-host Ryan and I, we've been lucky to be able to just do our show uh, digitally, uh, much like we're doing right now. So there hasn't been too much of a, uh, any issues for us. Um, and, and in some ways, it's actually made it easier because we have guests more willing to uh, Skype in or Zoom in. So uh, from that matter, it's been good. Things have opened up here, although they are just now reinstating a mask mandate uh, for everybody indoors starting uh, Friday. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's, it, it, we're in a complicated situation. We're so based on tourism here that we want to welcome people back, but obviously we want people to do it safely. So hopefully that can continue as well. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, you're talking to a tourism nation, admittedly one that's probably smaller than Vegas itself, but yes, we certainly feel that pain over here, but you've actually brought up an interesting point there. Cause like I've been kind of, I've been watching the land party shows and they've really taken off in the past year like kind of tell us for anyone who may not have checked it out yet what's the deal with land parties what is it and kind of who's your audience there 
Yeah, so uh, I like to say that we interview some of gaming's biggest names and rising stars is the hook I like to use. Uh, so basically, we'll talk about a couple news items, but then most of the episodes is devoted to chatting with our guests. Uh, so we've had voice actors to game directors to composers. Uh, so we try and get a full rounded experience of the gaming industry. So, you know, if you're a gamer and you want to meet some of the people behind some of the titles you love, I think you guys will will uh, enjoy what we have to offer hopefully wow that is a crisp elevator pitch there very well done well you then... are a professional <laughs> what are you doing here we have a lot to learn from you tell us then so who have been some of the guests you've interviewed in the past year and a half who who have been kind of the people you've met that might kind of make our listeners drop their cups and amazement and all that kind of stuff yeah, so uh, we've had Nolan Northon, who is the voice of Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series, among a million other roles that he's done throughout his career. Uh, we talked to Jennifer Hale about Femship in the Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, about a month ago now, we had Roger Craig Smith, who is the voice of Sonic in the uh, games. Um, and then we've talked to... Uh, a bunch of people from the Avengers game before it came out. And one of my favorites was uh, Daisuke Tuji, who's actually the lead in Ghost of Tsushima, uh, who was a really fun interview. So we, uh, a well-rounded experience, hopefully. Excellent. And like, after like a year and a half, you are obviously meeting, because you are a gamer yourself, and you're meeting mm -hmm. these kind of, I suppose, for lack of a better word, icons. Uh, do you ever find yourself kind of lost for words or like, does it, is it just kind of feel like work at this point? No, I, I still get super excited every time, you know, it, initially I tried to hide it and then there just came a point where I'm like, you know, it's probably okay to show a little bit of excitement. I'm not, I'm not totally fanboying. I, I think I can rein myself in just enough to not uh, totally geek out, but you know, it's, <laughs> these, these people are, are big for a reason. So I think it's okay to show that level of enthusiasm, at least a little bit. Yeah, it's of course. And like, has there ever, because I mean, I know from meeting, not in the same capacity as you, but meeting celebrities at Comic-Con and things, has there ever been someone you've met where their personality surprised you compared to the characters they play or just surprised you in general? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We talked to uh, Dave Fenoy, and uh, he plays Lee in Telltale's The Walking Dead. And so, like, my picture of Dave is just Lee. <laughs> like, the serious, <laughs> like, super, super hardcore kind of guy. And he's hilarious. Like, I, one of the funniest interviews I think we've done. And I think that kind of took me by surprise, because I was not expecting that at all. Um, another person <laughs> was, uh, we talked to Sandra Saad, who plays Kamala Khan in, in Avengers. And she's just, like, this burst of energy that, like within like 10 minutes she's just rubbing off on all of us and uh it's just it's just nice to see that kind of enthusiasm uh especially for somebody getting her first kind of big break out there oh that's wonderful and sure and you are now a part of that as well like you know like if she's just at the start of her career like you know yeah yeah you know it's um and i i always like to say too like these interviews are just just like we're there with you guys. Like we always try and ask questions that like, you know, if we were a fan that randomly met him at a convention, you know, what would we want to ask? And that's kind of how we try and, and base our interviews. Cause like, like you said, we're just gamers. We're just fans. And we're just trying to uh, give people some interesting and fun interviews if we can. 
Yeah, sometimes you'd like you'd be reading like a lot of kind of major publication journalism, and like they'll be asking just very kind of dry questions that really everybody already knows the answer to. <laughs> uh, so like, yeah, they're gonna be. It's awesome that you're kind of getting that very just that very again that very enthusiastic um, uh, opinion, just kind of getting that very enthusiastic view uh, out of them. Yeah, and you know, and, and some of our stuff's like super goofy. I like I think there was a moment, one of the moments I was most nervous about before I asked this was we talked to Jennifer Hale, who voices Cortana, and I just had it in my mind that I had to know if she had a Windows computer. <laughs> and so the entire episode, I'm just like waiting for the moment to ask. And when I asked, there was like a pause for a second. I'm just like, oh no. I'm like, please don't be mad. I'm like, luckily, luckily she played it off well, but there was like a moment where I'm like, did I just mess up? I'm like, that's not good. No, no, you please, no, this is the entire interview crux is on this. I need to know, does Cortana talk to Cortana? So, so un- unfortunately the answer is no, but her husband does all the time, apparently. <laughs> Well, I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's brilliant. And I got to ask because like uh, you mentioned you're a journalist as well. Mm-hmm. Like, is there any overlap between the work you do on the podcast and your journalism work or is it all kind of separate? Like what's what's the lay of the land there? Yeah, so I try and do some feature stories. So basically just to highlight some of the people we have on. Uh, it's I don't do that for every guest. It's based on on my uh, other job duties that I have to do. But I try to uh, as much as I can. And we'll sneak in a review or two uh, every once in a while if, if I have the time. Although... It, it's the strangest thing when you get older, you have the money to play games, but you don't have the time anymore. So it's it's kind of a sad irony yeah. that we all have to deal with. <laughs> like a quantum paradox, really. Somebody needs, to, somebody needs to figure this out because this is becoming a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Me and, me and Kev, we kind of have that as well, where when this show started now, it isn't kind of... Um, we're being honest, quite on the level of yours. Like, you know, still when we started, it's like, you know, we were like, oh, we'll do a game show. We'll do a D&D thing. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then it started becoming relatively successful. And then we were too busy running it to find topics to talk about it every single. So I get uh, where well, you're coming from. Also, though, Kian, to be fair, we also did start this when we had literally nothing else to do because we were locked <laughs> in. Yeah. So we got to put like, we can't put it just on us. There, there was factors. <laughs> we also had to then start working again. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is hard to deny. But actually that segues into, I know we talked a bit about, it was the, the last of us, I think, on the episode of the Game Corner. But yes. like it was, what kind of, have, you, have been the breakout games for you in say the past year? Um what has really jumped out at you as a sort of a games journalist like? Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I know that everybody says this one, but I really have fallen in love with the Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition. You know, it had been Ooh. so long since I played those games, um, and it kind of, like, dawned on me that, yeah, that first game came out in, like, 2007, so, like, a decade and a half almost. Uh, so just to, like, revisit, like, we rarely get those sci-fi epic games like that anymore that get so deep into the dialogue and gets you so invested in that story. Um I haven't finished the trilogy. I'm actually pretty interested to see how the ending of three uh, compares to my initial 
uh, disappointment, <laughs> shall I say, when I first played three all those years ago. So I'm interested about That's that. That's not a controversial statement. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, I also have really enjoyed this game called Little Nightmares 2, uh, which is a, uh, a horror game uh, similar-ish to like Limbo, if, if that helps people a little bit. Um I just love the lore of that game and like the monsters are creepy as heck and there are some truly truly terrifying moments in that game those there's, there's a, a a hospital level that is like one of the most tense levels in any horror game I think I've ever played uh, so those two definitely stand out um, I've been playing Scarlet Nexus, which is kind of like an anime, basically, is in a game. I know they have a side companion anime. Uh, you know, I, I've been I've been seeing a lot of press on this actually because I, I haven't played it myself, but I've heard it. It is far. The one thing I keep hearing is it is far better than it ever looks. <laughs> God, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I did not have like super high expectations for it, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Like it's it gets the anime feel right. Like you actually feel like you're playing an anime, which is which is pretty cool um yeah so i think those those three right now uh i think are it oh and i you know what to be honest with you i'm a huge pokemon fan so i enjoyed pokemon yeah. snap way more than i should have <laughs> but that game's just so relaxing nintendo you know what they gave us animal crossing last year pokemon snap this year it's nice to have a game that you can just kind of unplug your brain and 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 take in an, an easygoing game Oh, I know. I've I have I'm currently vanished into Super Smash Bros. I know that's an that's an old one, <laughs> but there is something about the quality of Switch games where they just kind of draw you in and then don't let you leave. Especially with like your Pokemon Snap, your Fire Emblems, like you know, it's yeah. There is something kind of relatively wholesome about Nintendo kind of things in general. I want to switch back to the Mass Effect one for a second though, even though it's not Nintendo. Because I was saying to my colleague Kev there that before I had a normal job, I would book off the month of August and literally just play Mass Effect from beginning to end. Like crunch it, like, you know, getting up like early, going to four, not sleeping. Like, I mean, when it comes to Mass Effect, like, are you one of those people who like tries to find every single opportunity or do you play a certain way? Like, what's your kind of relationship to it like? Yeah, so this time around, I am definitely t like trying to find every opportunity out there. Um, the first time I played those games, I was just in a different state of mind where I just wanted to get through the main story of games as quickly as I could. And that's definitely changed over the years. So this is like the first time that I've really said, I'm going to take my time with it. Uh, I leave no dialogue option unturned. <laughs> I'm sure sometimes <laughs> it annoys my girlfriend because she's like, can we progress? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, we're going to spend all our time today just on on, on dialogue. <laughs> and so... <laughs> But no, it's it's fascinating. It, it, it truly is almost like a, a sci-fi novel that you get to take a, a deep dive into. Then, and I love that part of it. Lovely. And I mean, in that regard, was it surreal meeting Jennifer Hale? Because you mentioned that Mass Effect 1 came out in 2001. So I'm assuming you were quite fond of her work long before you met her like was that kind of surreal at all or it was and and i'll tell you what it in in a game that she's far less known for is she voiced trinity in the matrix path of neo and the matrix anything no, matrix i, I just that. love so like 
as if Femshep wasn't enough, I'm just like, I'm about to talk to Trinity. It may not be the movie Trinity, but it's still Trinity. But it's my Trinity. <laughs> so just through the roof. Yeah. And it, it's funny that she's she's super down to earth and she's super nice. So like any nerves that I had, she just, it was just quickly gone. Like she's she's not one of those, I'm famous, you know, I'm I'm Jennifer Hale. So thankfully. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny, actually, because, like, I mean, discreetly, you've been giving me tips on who you're talking to over kind of, like, our messages and stuff. And the week you told me about Jennifer Hale, like, I gave the stupidest response back. Oh, my God, the talking dog from Star Trek. Because, <laughs> like, that was the exciting thing that I'd known about that week of her, like, you know, before. Oh, yeah, she's actually a hugely accomplished voice actor. But never mind that. <laughs> Hey, if if when you meet her, if you bring that up to her, that will be like probably her most unique greeting she'll have that whenever <laughs> you meet her. Uh, you know what? I'll reach out to her. If, if she agrees to be on the show, I'll let you know. If she doesn't, I will completely understand. <laughs> no, Jennifer, you, you have to understand. It's a web show. And I know you're the talking dog. <laughs> you want this gig. <laughs> You're the talking dog in Star Trek Lower Decks who turns into Cthulhu creature. Please join us. <laughs> but actually, I want to circle back to something you mentioned because you mentioned you were playing Pokemon, you were playing horror, you were playing... Uh, do you, I'm assuming, therefore, you have an entirely kind of holistic approach to the games you enjoy. It's not just you like action, you like this, you like that. Like, Right, yeah, I think, I think you know, much like... like movies or anything it just kind of goes through moods and swings and and sometimes i'm in i'm in the mood for like a, a call of duty other times i'm running for a nice slower you know jrpg or something like that so it, it ebbs and flows uh i will say that for the most part uh during the pandemic i've really appreciated the deep single player uh campaigns much like a ghost you know since that we all had that extra time that i could actually enjoy those worlds uh i think i think i get caught in the trap too much of i don't have time there's another game i want to play coming out let's rush instead of slowing down and enjoying some of the the uh, art that these games present so i think one silver lining from the pandemic is it's allowed me to actually take in a game more fully than i used to lovely well actually you've kind of circled on to my next question which is that you have essentially made gaming your occupation as mm -hmm. well as kind of your passion. So do you find that like sit, having to review games has kind of spoiled the joy? Is it still something that's relaxing for you, you know? It hasn't spoiled the joy. It, it definitely puts more pressure. Uh, I think of games differently, uh, you know, where, whereas before I would play and just chat with friends about it. You know, now I'm, I'm actually making notes of things, uh, trying to look out if there's any huge game breaking bugs. Uh, luckily, I haven't had to review like a terrible game, which I'm sure would would change people's experience if they had to finish a game <laughs> that was just not good <laughs> so i i think that's been a huge help but yeah it's definitely changed the way i approach them um and it, it has required me to say all right i actually have to dedicate you know four or five hours tonight to try and chunk through this campaign uh rather than i'll just pick it up whenever
Has has it been surreal to kind of uh, just separate, like try to kind of compartmentalize, like okay, this is business gaming time, but this is pleasure gaming time. It is, it is. You know, <laughs> it's it's strange because like <laughs> like business gaming time, it's it's just got to be so more much more analytical. Where usually the usual me is just like, am I having fun? Even if the game's not perfect, great. Whereas reviews are totally a totally different mindset. That yeah, it's hard to to keep them separate. I'm sure my friends are like, dude, can you just put that side of you away for for a little bit Where, whereas like you know 5 p.m hits and you're like cool time to play dante's inferno on the ps3 and just melt <laughs> into an absolute cheese block <laughs> yes i remember that game i don't think i've forgotten about that <laughs> oh see i was having the opposite thing i thought it would be like you'd be on like i don't know call of duty for like eight hours doing your work and you'd like clock out and be like oh that was a tough day, and then pick up Animal Crossing, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, you know, my my fallback games are always Pokemon games. So, like, if, if I really need to relax, just give me anything Pokemon, which, which, as a side note, by the way, I am loving the Pokemon anniversary year, and I wish Zelda would do anything close to what Pokemon's doing this year. I mean, it, it's frustrating to yeah, no that, end yeah that that like okay we got skyward sword hd which actually allegedly is supposed to be pretty good for like a port but yeah like that and then just the uh the little zelda game and watch thing for what was it are we 25 years or 30 years mm. oh man i always get those two mixed up i think i think zelda's 30 and i think pokemon's 25 yeah that sounds right i think um, pokemon's 25 because like the game the red and blue came out in the mid 90s yeah didn't so it? yeah, so Zelda's thirty. Yeah. Like for Zelda's th- for Legend of Zelda's thirtieth, it feels like there should be more. We considering we got more for the year of Luigi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, Luigi's been waiting longer. <laughs> but yeah, so just actually to kind of circle then uh, back to Pokemon, you we were talking before the chat uh, before the recall. Uh, that you were currently playing playing a new Pokemon game, which I had only heard about like after it released, and sounds truly book wild as a concept. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with Pokemon Unite? I think it was yes, yeah, Pokemon Unite. So it's a uh, free to play game on the Switch. It's a Pokemon MOBA, if you, you guys can believe it or not, which. I had kind of forgotten about Pokemon Unite just because I, I had been so focused on Snap, on the remakes and Legend that like I kind of just forget forgot that Unite was going to be out there. So downloaded it, tried it out. So far, it's fun. I, I, I mean, look, I had not played a MOBA before because I stink at them. <laughs> so apologies to all my future teammates. I'm probably still <laughs> going to stink at this. But it's actually kind of fun. Like, it actually looks like it works. And, and you know, and talking with some of my buddies, like, who are more experienced in MOBAs, like, it, it seems fairly solid right now. Of course, the, the devil is going to be in the details with updates, balancing, and, and if they introduce more characters and all that, and Nintendo can have a spotty uh, record of, of whether they support a game or not for weird reasons. Uh, so hopefully they do. I think it's <laughs> a solid 35. start. What was that? Mario 35, nothing. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. here, I think I hear something in the echo. I think there's something going up in your mic. Here. I know, because you were the only person I could share my grief with not getting to number one before it got taken away with Lucas. So that's why I'm I... kind of skeptical of this. <laughs> I am still salty that that they just didn't leave <laughs> Mario 35. I am that okay. 
another genre of games that I stink at <laughs> battle royales. That was the one, that was the one I could actually win. And then there's like, no, I'm going to just be done with it. I'm like, great, great. So the one battle royale I'm actually decent at Nintendo's just like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, what? The, no. Why? And you don't even have the right to be annoyed because it's free. I, I'd like to have a good grumble. <laughs> no, no, no. I still feel the right to be annoyed. Nintendo, bring the darn thing back. Nintendo, yeah. that, that game had like maybe 16-bit worth of pixels. It couldn't have taken many servers to run. Yeah. Why do you Why do you hate the internet? Nintendo, answer my e- Reply to my email. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like that's the thing. Like it's, it, I suppose that kind of, I had a couple of questions on uh, Pokemon Unite was mm-hmm. like, because Pokemon always kind of was very, uh, mass marketable so like yes i suppose kind of a couple of the first question i want to ask was like is would you say this is a very uh beginner friendly uh moba uh can like like i say mm-hmm. like for me like i had uh, dabbled in league of legends uh-huh years ago i was terrible at it <laughs> i played it i did never won so like if for like somebody who didn't um actually I suppose to kind of add before we jump anywhere, Kian, do you have any idea what we're talking about when we keep saying the word MOBA? No, but I didn't want to out myself. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. No, I am a scrub and I do not know what the the uh, an acro- uh, what the anagram MOBA actually stands for. But it's essentially it's a it's a, a PvP team based uh, top down uh, battle. It's a, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a kind of command. It's a command based battle where the the command setups are very MMO style. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like kind of what Avengers Alliance on Facebook used to be. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's very strategy based. Yeah. Like yeah. A Final Fantasy ish. It's a team based strategy game. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, actually, kind of this circles back to something kind of close to the nerd to know home because we have on our team someone who is the Pokemon and horror expert and runs a show to that effect. Uh, straight out of Kanto, shout out to her. And the one thing I know from being mutual kind of friends with her is that every time a Pokemon event comes up, she gets terribly excited for about five and a half weeks and then terribly disappointed for two weeks after because they'll promise something and then it won't come out or all that kind of stuff. Do you think Nintendo has taken good care of Pokemon in general in the recent few years, Lucas? I would say yes. You know, as as a Pokemon fan, uh, we've had, you know, the Let's Go remakes. Uh, We had Sword and Shield. You know, we had Snap. We have Unite. We have more remakes and we have Legends, which I'm hoping push it really pushes the boundary of of the Pokemon series here. So Mm -hmm. like on on the Switch, I think they've done a pretty fantastic job. You know, I, I do know that Pokemon in general, like, if you look at the first games to the recent games, they probably haven't changed all that much to be, let's just be honest. It's, it's, they haven't had to change that much. They haven't really felt pushed to, which is why I'm so intrigued by legends. Cause this seems like their first real attempt at doing something drastically different with that universe. Uh, but as a fan, I've, I've been nothing but happy with what they've done on the switch so far. Yeah, I will say, I, I only have a small handful of Switch games, but all the Pokemon ones I've played have been absolute hits. And I know there are naysayers who say, oh, you know, it's the same game again. But, like, you know, there's plenty of series who do the same game again with diminishing returns. 
I, I, I was on. going to mention, uh, Lucas, that maybe some people that might be listening may not agree with you that Sword and Shield was exactly a highlight of the Switch highlight of them. I Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Kev, because I played it about maybe, what, a year, two years after the hype and anti-hype, and I thought it was great. Now, I haven't played a game since Pokemon Gold, so maybe I'm out of touch <laughs> or something. That's, I think I'm, I I'm on the same was... kind of wavelength as you, where I have yeah. very, like, obviously knowing Pokemon, considering I live in this world, <laughs> um, I, I have very limited experience with Pokemon as a series actually playing it. Like, I played Red, and then nothing until Sun, until Sun and then Sword. Um, so, like, I thought, yeah, like, I thought Sword was fun. It was a fun game. I didn't play 10 games like it beforehand because I just thought it was a, it was a fun game. <laughs> um, so that's the thing. Like, so I, yeah, like obviously there was all the internet, like to mention, like there was the internet pushback when Sword came out, uh, considering they tried to kind of enhance the game on a technical level, but had to pull back then on a, on an actual, uh, con, like a limited content level. Um, how do you think, uh, actually, Lucas, uh, as like a longtime fan, it sounds like, how do you think, what were your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I had uh, leading up to release, I had a range of emotions. Like like a lot of uh, Pokemon fans, I was disappointed when it, we found out. You know, it wasn't a a world Pokedex, uh, whatever the phrase is. Um, and and there are things in those games that obviously are frustrating. Um, but I mean. I'm going to be honest with you. There have been things that have been annoying throughout the entirety of the Pokemon series that they've never, like they're just so slow moving in addressing these things. And I think that for me, getting a core Pokemon title that's not on just a strictly handheld system was just so cool. And it was good enough that it was, it was, it was fine. You know, it was fine. It was, wasn't my favorite game in that series, no, uh, probably not not super close either. But like, I still had fun with it. Like t- for me, an average Pokemon game is still a lot of fun, and I still find a lot of enjoyment from it. Okay, well then, actually, that kind of because it sounds like you are a veteran of having walked through all the Pokemon worlds. Uh, so, like, if for example, Nintendo gave you the call to oversee a new Pokemon game. What improvements would you make? What features would you bring back? Just to give an example, I would love they bring back the phone calls from Pokemon Gold, where trainers <laughs> would just ring you up and challenge you like a Facebook friend you haven't seen in five years. I quite like that. <laughs> but like, that's just me. Is there anything you would do differently with, say, the next big sword-like Pokemon game? Oh, man. I mean... My pipe dream since I was like 10, which I'm sure will never happen, but like... I would love to see like, and and maybe Legends will do this, but I really doubt it. It's going to go all the way. But I really want that open world Pokemon game. One thing that I like from the Let's Go games is seeing all the Pokemon walking around. Like that's what I want. Like I want a world that like immerses you. Like the super, super pipe dream and the technology probably isn't even there yet. I don't know. But like, if we could have like an SAO version of Pokemon in like VR, like oh, you guys might never see me again. Like I, I just might like wither and wait and die and while I'm playing that. But like, wait, wait. So what? You're telling me that VR chat isn't good enough for you? Because <laughs> I think that sounds exactly like what you're asking for. Yeah. Listen, there might be some body horror involved in that. But you get what you get with open. That's, that's very true. 
Um, <laughs> I th- I think that like I think that the desire for a more open world Pokemon game has always been there, and we always like had these dreams that they would start taking steps, and they never have. So that <laughs> I I think it's it's foolish to think that Legends will automatically be like the breath of the wild of pokemon games but i'm really hoping it's a big step toward that direction and that we get there sooner rather than later well you've mentioned open world and pokemon which you know immediately brings the normie in me to say what about pokemon go though like what's your kind of feelings on that one I um, <laughs> Pokemon Go has made a lot of improvements. I will give them that. And it's still obviously immensely popular. They have Pokemon Go Fest every year. That still is a huge draw. It's, it's, it's not there for me. Like, it's not what, like, it's very much a, a phone experience of Pokemon in my mind. Like, it's, it has elements of what would be really cool to implement in an open world game, but like it, it doesn't have that full feel to me yet. Um, and you know, maybe that's due to the limitations of being on a phone, but uh, it's not there. I like, I hope they pull some lessons from that certainly, but I, I wouldn't say that that's the realization for me. Okay. And like, there's actually, there's one controversial aspect of sword. I want to bring up, which is that I know a lot of people were upset that you didn't get, the full Pokedex uh, in at least the game without DLC, as more and more Pokemon, then the population of Earth will get added. That will probably be a continuing issue. So does that bother you particularly? Or It doesn't. I mean, I would, if, if it were all at all possible, I would always want the full Pokedex. But, uh, you know, as they keep making more of them, it just doesn't seem realistic to have more and more and more and more especially uh, <laughs> if they want to keep like improving graphics and technical back end where they have to start making these high poly sprites for the better part of 1000 distinct characters exactly you just hit a saturation point of just no returns <laughs> exactly yeah I, I think that that i will always support them not having a full pokedex as, as like you just said you know improve the technical aspects it always stinks because then there's always a little bit of like did my favorites make the cut this time but uh if your favorite's I'm okay. charizard probably <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay with not having a full pokedex i think that's a a realistic trade-off that has to be made yeah i mean like I suppose the goal, I've only finished a Pokedex once, and I cheated, if I'm being honest, using Pokemon <laughs> Go. Uh, but, like, it seems to me that as long as the games are relatively convertible, like, if you had three different Pokemon series games on the Switch that could all switch straight across each other, you would be able to finish it. It doesn't need to all kind of be locked into one. I mean, that's how the original Game Boy games were. I'm pretty sure you couldn't get all of the red and blue Pokemon in gold, right? Oh, right. Yeah, I don't know. And and I mean, you definitely had to do trades and all that, right? Like, like no, no single Pokemon game had a complete dex anyway. So you always had to at least find somebody to trade or, uh, and I have done this in the past by both versions of the game just to have. <laughs> it is a time honored tradition. You catch three Pidgeys and you trade to your friends to get all the starters. We all know this. Or, exactly. or, or going the extra mile of people I know who have traveled to p- other parts of the country for limited time events to get... Mm. I, I remember one of, my, one of my favorite memories was being at a house party where, you know, we're like 
18 we were young you know and i was just drinking drinking beers and that and you know normal kind of 18 year old stuff for the most part until uh until somebody turns around and is like hey did you see coke what what coco is doing in the back it's like yeah they they're showing people their ds like yeah they caught everything there's like <laughs> this was like x as well so like there was a lot of yeah no, no coco caught them all <laughs> <laughs> Yes, actually, Michael uh, Hilliard, one of our, the other guests on the Game Corner, well, he told me stories about how he travelled to America specifically to get a Celebi like 15 years ago because they only had them at certain events and all that kind of stuff. I consider that part of the tradition. I wasn't planning on bringing this up, actually, but me and Kev, we work in a certain famous chain of Irish bookstores and we are suffering from what is a world shortage of Pokemon cards. Is that something that's affected you state diet at all? Or it has, it has. So I, uh, I casually collect the cards. I'm not like a super collector of the cards, and it is darn hard to find them. It, it's, uh, you know, here some some major retailer chains have stopped selling them in stores because people were like starting to fight over them. <laughs> so uh, it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's it's crazy to me that like a franchise that is 25 years old has like just surged in popularity again, uh, and and I mean it's fun to see the cards come back. It, it's annoying on my end because like I do like to buy some, but uh, I have to like cross my fingers and and hope I I walk into a place when they get a new shipment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy here. In all honesty, like, you know, when they come into the shop, do you want me to slip a few aside and post them to you? Like, would that help? Or Oh, man. If you can, if, you, if we can get the, the hookup right here, <laughs> let's let's do this. We'll, hey, we'll hey, talk listeners. offline about the hey, arrangement. <laughs> hey, nerds, no listeners, all like five of you. Maybe just turn off your mics for like five seconds. We've got to organize yeah. some stuff. Just give, give, us, give, us, give us two seconds. <laughs> yeah 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 we'll keep it on the down low I'll, I'll slip it under the counter like you know we'll get something going here but um no actually you brought up a good point lucas which is that because like i kind of teach when i'm not doing this kind of stuff and i'm in the weird position of being someone who is talking to six-year-olds who assume adults don't know what pokemon is and us having the exact same cultural touch point like you know like uh is there this is less of a gaming question now but is there a reason you think that pokemon has you know transcended the age divide and all that kind of stuff you know oh man that's a good question uh i th i think it's because it's 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 overarching goal is simplistic right gotta catch them all and that's something that like you embark on an adventure which i think appeals to any generation uh and like it's interesting because as, as you ask people of different ages, they all have their favorite generations. They have their favorite uh, Pokemon uh, specifically. And like, I think it speaks a to how solid the series has been that like it attracts gamers from the nineties and now we're into the twenties. The and uh, it's uh, <laughs> like, I think there's that universal appeal and they make them so darn cute and adorable. So you're going to appeal to young kids. <laughs> then they get hooked and the multimedia aspect of it, that there's the cars, there's the cartoons, you know, there's the movies, there's the games that you, it's so easy to get fully involved in this world and just get lost in it. And then you find that, Hey, you know, there's enough to substantiate you and keep you moving forward. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll say about Pokemon is even though the games might 
not have progressed in, in meaningful ways very quickly, there was never a, a long gap. You know, we never had the 10 year span between Pokemon titles. So it's very steadily been in people's eyes. And then, you know, people our age are starting to have kids and we start sharing Pokemon with them. And uh, I think that was the coolest thing about Pokemon Go that I saw is that you'd see like grandparents and parents and little kids all out there together. And like, like <laughs> what, what other IP could do that? I don't know. There's, there's not very many that I could think of. Oh, well, that like that summer as well was just like, uh, I, I'd say I, from what I understand, it was the same stateside as it was mm-hmm. on our end that that there was just a magic three month period there when that launched, oh, yeah. where it just seemed like everywhere the weather was always just gorgeous and <laughs> everyone had their phones and it was just like, we are all turning out. Like we just, we all had this capacity just kind of like for this community. Like everybody was just out being able to just talk to people and just, just enjoy being with each other and Pokemon Go kind of just accommodated that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a series that, that I think is, is timeless in its gameplay and it, in its uh, idea. And I think that goes a long way toward uh, why so many people keep uh, coming to it. And you're question. absolutely right, actually. Sorry to cut across you there, Kev, but uh, my daughter's first experience with any game, she's only two now, is I discovered that the Switch has a touchscreen. And so is it Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, she discovered she could pat Pikachu on the head uh, and yep. that she, it would react. That's her first gaming experience. She's third generation Pokemon, <laughs> which is terrifying to me. But it's also quite wonderful. And Kev is right too. It's like, there was this wonderful sense. Now, I'm not sure if it's the same where you were, but you know, Ireland, it's it's relatively small. You can go somewhere chasing a Pokemon and bump into three people you know. And there was that magical kind of, I heard there's a Charmander in Hoth. Like, you know, trading hints, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I'm guessing you didn't, based in your commentary, you didn't quite get drawn into it as much as everyone else though. The go now, I mean. Yeah, yeah I, um... Yeah, not I never got fully like obsessed with it. I enjoyed it. And, and you guys are right that like those first couple months were just insane. You'd go out and you'd see like these droves of people just walking together and and there's like events impromptu events at parks and like it it's it's just cool. Like it in that moment it made you feel really good to be a gamer, right? Cuz like I know a lot of people love to give that game a lot of uh flack, but I mean that is truly what games can do, right? If there's a game that can appeal to the masses like that, uh, you know, we all don't go, we all can't go see the same movie at the same time. You know, yeah, we have to at least be in different theaters, uh, but like a game can really bring together a, a public conversation like that, that I think other mediums would struggle to, to match. Okay. Well, I mean, that's an excellent point. Like, you know, and um, like, actually just to circle back to, your show and the business you do for a moment. I'm sure that a lot of the people who listen to us would be aspiring, maybe podcasters or game journalists, or just want to get more involved in that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got set up and maybe some advice for people aspiring to do that? Yeah. So uh, I started (laughs) in kind of a random moment where uh, I was, my boss had a meeting with me and asked just just very uh, generally, you know, what are some things that we could be doing on the uh, digital side of things? 
And the good and bad part about me is when I believe in something, I can rant like no other. And so I went on this <laughs> rant on on how gaming was an untapped market that we weren't doing anything with. Uh, <laughs> somehow that convinced him to just say yes. And uh, that's that's honestly how we got started uh, was just kind of an off the cusp meeting there. I would say my biggest piece of advice is just start like don't wait for the quote, perfect opportunity, because you're not going to find it. You know, I had to make my own opportunity. Uh, so just do something, you know, start a podcast. In fact, start preparing for it today. You know, it's going to be small at first, uh, but you it, you know what? Look at that as your trial time. You can get all the mistakes out without tons of people listening and <laughs> wondering what you're doing. <laughs> do not and, wait for the podcast bubble. It has yep. already burst. Everybody's already got one. <laughs> The perfect yep. time has come and gone of it six times the past year. Just exactly. do it now. <laughs> exactly. I, and I would say too is like, like really think about like if you like certain podcasts, what do you like about them and what can you contribute that's slightly different? You know, don't just try and copy somebody, but take some of the best things from them and make it your own. Uh, and then in terms of reaching out to guests, I would say don't get discouraged. There were a lot of no's that we've had to deal with, uh, especially early on. Sometimes it takes getting that first guest to get the second guest to say yes, to get the third guest to say yes. And so just, just try, uh, work on your pitch, make it clear and concise and professional. And yeah, just don't get discouraged early on. There will be a moment where if you're doing quality content, it will break through to its right audience. You just have to be patient enough uh, to let that happen organically. Wonderful. That's incredibly well said. And I, I feel like uh, now that we're kind of in our last 10 minutes now, uh, I should ask, apart from kind of gaming stuff, which is obviously your bread and butter, what kind of interests and passions do you have? Are there any franchises you follow or any TV shows or even hobbies you have? Anything like that? Yeah, uh, The Matrix 4 is going to be my favorite movie of the year. I can feel it. That's my favorite movie franchise. I don't care what anybody says about the sequel. No, you are in good company on this show. <laughs> so it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. I keep thinking we have to be getting a trailer soon, right? We're we're nearing August here. and It's supposed to come out at least in the States in December. Come on, guys. Uh, uh, TV shows. Hmm. I watched a, a Netflix series called Sweet Home, which is uh, a, a kind of a horror-ish show uh, that's out there, but <laughs> it was it was fun. It was fun. Um, yeah, I, I would say right now I'm in Matrix mode, though. Like, I am just counting down the days. I have been I, – I have been a Keanu Reeves fan before it was cool. Everybody's <laughs> just been late, you guys. I've been there since Speed, The Lake House, everything in between. You guys just need to catch up. Uh, <laughs> I know. Oh, I mean, look. I mean, it's a shame Dara, who runs this operation, couldn't be here because on Facebook he posts about three things about the Matrix a day, even <laughs> if it's not relevant like so it's yeah it's you're in good company now i always feel like matrix should have been bigger than it was it had so much potential like you know the first two made debatably three movies were great like enter the matrix is one of my favorite video games it's a game you can hack which is right. something way ahead of its time uh like like you said the path of neo like excellence like so much potential for spin-off content like i mean I'm assuming you're like kind of a passionate fan. Like, what do you think is its kind of magic winning ingredients? 
I think that, you know, the first movie hit obviously like right before Y2K. So it had that whole like computers were still kind of a mystery to a lot of people. We didn't really understand how the internet worked. You know, I was nine when the first movie came out. So like technology, I'm just like, this is magic. <laughs> so it had that. <laughs> it had the it had the coolness factor to it. You know, at, at, who didn't want like the black and the sunglasses? He's <laughs> uh, uh, like the, the, the in a nutshell, Gen X disenfranchisement. Just <laughs> all in one. <laughs> yep. Everything. <laughs> yep. Um, and and I know that especially in the sequels, it got criticized for this, but I like that it wasn't afraid to at least be dialogue heavy, which is something that I think a lot of modern blockbusters might need more of like like smart dialogue or, or meaningful dialogue uh not that i don't love the big dumb action movies like i i like the fast and furious franchise too so don't oh, hate God. me guys but like no it was no, just no. So... i'm right there with you family family <laughs> i don't i you know when all those memes were going around like that was my work day like i just couldn't stop <laughs> reading those uh, but no i think um <laughs> I think anytime you do something set in the future, the potential is there to really hit a chord because obviously you're you're also remarking on current uh, events and themes and feelings. And so uh, hopefully this fourth one lives up to the series and, and gets it back in everybody's good graces. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because funny enough, I think I was talking about Kat, about this to Kat the other day. I watched Sensate by the Wachowskis as well. Yes. And that was a case of because they had some 16 odd hours to get through their story, they were able to have their big, huge concepts and also kind of let it breathe. I always feel like the Matrix sequels, they're kind of, they're almost too ambitious. They've got really great ideas, but getting it all in in time kind of makes it kind of hard to be kind of palatable, you know, but there's a lot of, there's more good stuff than bad in there. Like, what would you want to see in a Matrix 4? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> my, my fan fiction in my head would be to turn things on its head a little bit. Like I would love to see the main villains be human again. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> if people will recall, you know, at the end of the third movie, there's that shaky truce between the humans and the machines. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, I think there's some room to play with like, what happens if you free people who didn't want to be free? Like what happens if you get now multiple ciphers essentially, instead of just one? And what would people do if they're disillusioned with their actual reality? You know, if they'd rather live in that simulation and how do you deal with that and where everybody maybe doesn't view neo as their savior but as a demon essentially or as as the devil for pulling them out like i feel like that could be an interesting rift on what we've seen yeah you're absolutely right and like you know the matrix kind of suffered from i know you made the point on kind of the mystery of the internet but like it also suffered from the fact that if it had come out even four years later it would have come out in a world that had social media and where we're all like, we are currently recording this in two different countries. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's sort of, there's a lot to play with in a new matrix movie in a world where we're all kind of plugged into our phones, you know, like there's a lot to play with there. Why do you think then kind of, do you think that kind of humans should be kind of the villains and not technology and machinery itself then like, 
Uh, I, th- I think I think this is twofold. One is I think Agent Smith is one of the best movie villains ever, and I really don't know that you could compare to how menacing he is uh, if you went the program road again. Um, and the, the technology as villains has just been done so much in a lot of movies now that uh, I think it would just be a refreshing breath for that series to, to be set in this technologically advanced world, but have it still be a human on human conflict. Uh, I think that there's potential for some, some, philosophical as well as what i'm sure will be some pretty awesome action scenes in there uh that yeah i'd, I'd just like to see i I'd, I'd like to see them pull back and do something different so we're not in danger of repeating the same themes that we saw from the original three yeah because we are living in an era where the sort of the retro sequel is a sort of a remake by another name it would be a shame if they just did that again except you know with a younger cast or whatever like, the, you know. the worst thing a new matrix movie could be is forgettable because right. that's Ugh. like uh, whatever you might say about like you know, the first one or the two sequels you remember them they are yep. they, they stick in your brain 100 <laughs> percent agree well then with a little bit of time we have left is there like a favorite piece of matrix media for you or like one that kind of captures the franchise best be it movies books games whatever i would say reloaded because the second one i okay so so let's set the stage i'm 13 years years old my parents pulled me out of school early on a friday to go see it (laughs) coolest parents ever and and like like the hype level was was just beyond 10. Now you were talking like 20, right? Mm. And it's, it's still to this day is like the only summer blockbuster that I had such impossible expectations. And I walked out of it and I was just like, whoa, that was <laughs> amazing. Like still my favorite car chase scene in movies. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, to, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a Matrix defender here, but to think that at the end of the second movie, they turn the whole hero's journey on its head by saying, no, Neo's not the only one. There have been six other people who have done this, and you're caught in a system. Like, yeah, like to turn you're, not, whole... you're not a rebel. You're part of the plan. Like, yeah, Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Like, to, to think about that, and then rolling into the third one real quick, is like, like how many movies would dare to kill off well, kill off since he's coming back apparently for the fourth one. But at the time, kill off your main character and his partner. Like your two, two of your three leads are dead by the end of this, those three movies. Like that's just so wild that you don't see many Hollywood movies take those kinds of, of risks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, as Kev said as well, like, you know, the worst thing it could be is boring. But I think you've certainly got me excited for Matrix 4 now. I'm hyped for this. We are just about out of time, but before we go, where can our listeners, viewers, all that find you if they want to see more of you and your wonderful guests, Lucas? Uh, the easiest way is probably on Twitter at Land Parties Pod or at Lucas Egan, and that's Lucas with a K because my name's spelled differently and I like to be unique, apparently. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, Lucas, uh, thank you so much for popping on the show. I'm sorry it took so long to organize this, but you've been an absolute delight to talk to as always. 
Uh, before we wrap, actually, Kev, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to kind of put out there? Like, Well, considering this is probably going to be one of the highest view counts we have, I think I will plug. Uh, you can plug me. You can find me on Twitter at KevTalica94. I tweet maybe once a year, and it is, I think it is the funniest thing on the planet. Um, or uh, we are still currently on a hiatus, but we will be returning now in the next couple of weeks, uh, where on uh, twitch.tv slash Connor Rain, C-O-N-O-R-A-Y-N-E, where I run a Greek mythological themed D&D campaign that Ooh. is an absolute blast with me and my friends. Oh my uh, so God, that's like nerd bingo with all those references. Hit, put yeah, so <laughs> hit, hit, up, uh, hit up Coco on Twitch, uh, set up the notifications. We usually stream that on Tuesday nights. So that will be coming back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and otherwise you can just find me here. Excellent. in this room forever <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'd like to thank everyone for listening and lucas of course for finding the time in your busy day considering time differences to pop on the show as i said it's been an absolute delight to have you on and i hope you have a wonderful day to everyone else we'll be back in this same time phoenix 92.5 fm and until next week we'll see you then Check out the rest of Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm and of course over on NerdToKnowMedia.com the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 